Hello, and welcome back to Why Morocco, a bi-weekly podcast dedicated to spotlighting some of the inspiring and creative personalities who share my love of the North African Kingdom of Morocco. Before we begin, my name's Mandy Sinclair, PR consultant and freelance writer, tasting Marrakesh food and cultural tours owner, and host of this podcast. As you sit back and listen, it's my hope that you'll leave feeling inspired to pay a visit or motivated to start planning that trip to the Kingdom of Morocco. On this week's episode, I sat down with my friend Rose Buttons when she came to stay with me from the hillside town of Moula Idris Serhoun during Ramadan. If you've not heard of Moula Idris and you're planning to visit Morocco and it's not on your itinerary at the moment, it may well be after listening to this episode. It's one of those places where I buy a one-way ticket because I know I'm not going to be able to pull myself away until I absolutely have to. In fact, I've been known to extend a four-day trip to a week-long getaway. You see, it's located between Fez and Meknes, but it's often overlooked by travelers visiting the nearby Vilibulus. It is, however, the best place in Morocco, in my opinion, for slow travel. And that's exactly what Rose and I chat about on this week's episode. Thank you for coming down to Marrakesh, Rose. It's so nice to see you here. Although, I have to say, I do love being with you in Moulay Idris. Yeah. <laughs> and so. we love having you there, Mandy. So come back up. I know. Sometime very soon. It used to be like a tradition where we would go for Eid, wouldn't it? Like the Eid al-Kabir. And we would go for like watch the sheep market. and like go. That was so special. Will you be here for Eid this year? No, because it's in the middle of August, and uh-huh. I tend to not be here when it's really hot. Yeah. But we used to sit in the cafes and watch the um, the locals buy the sheep, and it was transported by the donkeys. But yeah. <laughs> it was just, like, hilarious. Yeah. That, I and loved then it. carrying them with the back feet of the donkeys. Exactly. The sheep and everything as well. No. Yeah. So, but let's go back to how you even started, ended up in Morocco. You started, you moved here, um, and you planned to, you thought Fez was where it was going to be at. Is that right? You know, I came on holiday in um, the end of 2006. Um, by that point, I kind of decided that I wanted to look for a business that I could do abroad. So traveling, um, I'm originally from New Zealand, but I was in England at the time. And so it could I have something in different countries that meant I could travel just for life mm-hmm. and for business. And when I came to Morocco on holiday, I just immediately knew that I would do it here because I felt very at home here. It was very easy to get from the UK to, you know, to here and like to buy a house was affordable. So I started in Marrakesh, just, it was just a two week holiday. And then in Fez, I just very randomly met some people that were buying a house and they're just telling me, you know, what they're doing and everything. It's like, I'm going to buy a house here too. So that's so interesting because it's, when I came on a holiday, my fourth day was in Fez and that's when I decided I'm going to move to Morocco because they like took us on the shopping tour. Yeah. It's like, I'm not going to buy anything for a house because I'm actually just going to come back here and have a house. But Fez was not where I wanted to stay. Yeah. Yeah, whereas for me, Fez was, um, I just really liked it. I, I found it a lot more personal and a living mm-hmm. city and everything. And, and we, all, we all like different places. But I'd on that same trip, I'd been to Muliadris just on a half-day trip to Volubilis, the Roman ruins, and Muliadris. And when I heard you could buy there, because that was in 2007, I brought my house in Fez. And um, when I heard you could buy in Muliadris, it was just a bit later that year, because it used to be close to non-Muslim Stephen's stay overnight, only two years earlier, so 2005. And as soon as I heard you could buy there, it was like, I am buying a house there. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't that. I'd only spent maybe an hour in the town. 
So it wasn't that I had been like, oh, this town's the most amazing place. It was the thoughts of, it's very beautiful because it's surrounded by the mountains. It's a very quiet place, a traditional town. It's just very peaceful. It's the main square. You can just sit and watch the world go by. But being so close to the Roman ruins was like, well, actually, for a, for a tourist destination, actually, it's a very good business idea. Um, and being a holy city, so it was like, oh, to buy here will have a value that I won't lose. Like, that's what my thought was at the time. Um, not that I knew anything about tourism or, you know, or what it was. And so it, I, I actually brought the first house I looked at, which is wow. not what we recommend usually mm-hmm. in business, but it was, um, yeah. I just want to touch on that because you were the first non-Muslim female to own a guest house in Mula Idris. Is that correct? With the first non-Muslim to own a guest house in Mula Idris. Um, that it was, the, the other ones tended to be homestays. Mm-hmm. Um, so people just opened the home and just put bedrooms into there, whereas this, for something to be actually like a guest house or hotel, um, the first person to have permission to, to do that wow. in religious. And so let's talk about like this, it is a holy city, um, and it was only in 2005 that non-Muslims were allowed to stay the night. Um, what makes this city so holy and special? The, we have the Mussolini family Idris, who was um, unfortunately murdered in the area. So that's why um, it's a holy city. There's the, the shrine and the tomb to Mule Idris, and we have things like the we have a round minaret um, that signifies it's a holy city. Now, apparently, there's only five in the world. I don't know the truth in that because you know there's always different stories of what's told and everything. But it's really beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's worth seeing, and. Um, so, because we're the holy city, we have people, um, we have pilgrimages that come every year for the month of August. They mm-hmm. come every Thursday night to go and, and bring gifts and, and sacrifices to the, for the mausoleum. And then they chant and sing and stand in the mausoleum all night. It's just a beautiful time mm-hmm. because it's really busy. Mm-hmm. And then from the mausoleum, we still have maybe, I think, five other mosques. But you hear the singing um, every Thursday night and Sunday night from the mosque because it's a holy city and everything. It's just, um, it's really beautiful. Why the chanting on Sunday nights? I have no idea why, but it's always a Thursday night and a Sunday night. So. Okay. Hmm. Um, and so for um, anyone who meets you, your love of Moulay Idris is so obvious. Uh, what should travelers not miss when visiting this little hillside town? Well, they shouldn't miss it is yeah. probably more the point. Exactly. <laughs> what I find, um, not, not changed a lot, um, what I find in the past is that people will just stop to see, did what I did first, like volubilis and Mulia just in half an hour kind mm-hmm. of thing. But it's the kind of town that, Mulia just somewhere that just gets under your skin, I feel. It's, it's very a contrast to the busyness and the hustle bustle of somewhere like Fez or Meknes or Marrakesh. Mm-hmm that you can just sit there and be. Mm-hmm. You know, you breathe fresh, good mm-hmm. country mountain air. And what I love doing myself is just sitting in the main square and just watching life because you have the children going to her from school. You have the men and women going to the souks and buying the food for the lunch. Mm-hmm. You have the donkeys going past that carry everything through the town. You have tourists go past and people selling something to the tourists. And it's, um, it's like a kind of place you can just get under the skin and just write your own storybook about what life is like in mm-hmm. Morocco. And it, and it, I've been there for since 2000, like 12 years, and it hasn't changed in the 12 years I've mm-hmm. been there. So I doubt it's been changed for the hundreds of years mm-hmm. that it's, you know, yeah. it's been there too. Yeah, because for me, it's a place to just, as you said, like sit in cafes, to go on little walks, like mm-hmm. through the, the mountains, 
eat nougat um, and grilled meats at the little stalls. Um, Obviously, a day trip to Volubilis, the Roman ruins Mm -hmm. that are nearby, is a great option. But what are some other things that um, if people who were slow traveling in Morocco rather than hitting the big destinations, Mm -hmm. what are some of the things that they could do to fill even like a couple or three days um, in Muladeries? Because I think, I mean, I've gone there for to visit you and stayed like a week yeah. unintentionally. Yeah. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> well, I think um, the number one reason people come is Volubilis for the Roman mm-hmm. ruins from 300 BC, and they're only five kilometers in town. So to for that slower travel, like you say, um, take a donkey ride to Volubilis because you go up through the mountains and you through like, past the olive groves and you see the farmers, sorry, not the farmers, you know, the shepherds with their flocks mm-hmm. and everything, just to see this, this life that's so full of life. Um, yeah. I really like personally to go for like a walk around the mountain that, you know, you can do some loops about an hour, an hour and a half, or you can hike up to, we have a forest right at the back of Miludris that's, um, you can hike up there in a couple of hours and it's full of beautiful like forest trees and it's shaded and then you get this expansive view of the valley and Miludris which seems so big when I'm in the town but so small when you're in a different perspective. We have an aqueduct. So from the outdoor sense, there's the aqueduct, um, which is from the time of Muli Ismail. It's a double aqueduct. We have some Roman baths that are filled with natural spring water, and that's only um, maybe a 20-minute walk from, from the centre of town, and you can swim there. Um, you're welcome to swim. That's free. And just being out in the countryside, like, that's really lovely. But I think it's just to get out. And then um, the to sit in the main square and watch the world go by. We also have an artisan's quarter, and you can just find where they make the jalabas and the jalaba mm-hmm. buttons. We don't have tourist shops. Well, we don't yet. We don't have, you know, there's no carpet selling. There's no, mm-hmm. um, I don't know what else no, to find other places. It's so true. Like, I find when I go there um, and I wander through the markets, it is very much like, um, it's buying little things that, I need for the house, for everyday things that it's just I have the time to buy them there or they're, they just look more interesting. Uh, like the little straw baskets and yeah, yeah, straw yeah. trays um, for, for the home. Yeah, and it's that kind of thing. You're buying um, what local people use in their home mm-hmm. and we have a, a souk every Saturday, so a local market where you can buy so much. It goes all the way up the street kind of out of town and you can just buy many things from just day-to-day household things. You can buy ceramic dishes, you can buy fruit and vegetables, you can buy, you know, mm-hmm. pot plants that are made of tyres, recycled tyres, mm-hmm. and everything. So there's just a, like, the thing with Muli just for me is, like, a, there's not a, a preconception of what the place is like or what it will bring you. It's just a place you can go with an open mind to see, like, oh, mm-hmm. what, what is this? Why would this be mm-hmm. used and everything? And it's mm-hmm. just, um, yeah, it's great. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I own Tasting Marrakesh, and I love street food. And for me, Moulet Idris, as much as it's about, like, just sitting back and chilling and doing nothing, it's about the food. Mm -hmm. Because people may not realize is that it actually is, like, a real street food hub. So as soon as I get out of the taxi, I need to go and eat the grilled kefta Mm -hmm. with the tomatoes and onions and, like, Mm -hmm. loads of salt and cumin. Um, Probably a Coke as well. Um, because it just seems to go. Then after I've done that, um, it needs to be the uh, white nougat from the square. Mm -hmm. It's the same man. Mm -hmm. And sit in that cafe at the bottom under the fountain and have uh, a coffee, a Mm -hmm. noose-noose. And in between that, but going into the local market. I Mm -hmm. love that central market that you have every day that's filled with, like, really is what Mm -hmm. seasonal produce. Um, Is But... And then you had mentioned, obviously, the olive oil, because I find that the, the olive oil from the north is very distinct from what we get here. Is there anything else 
I should try my next visit or that listeners should uh, sample Wellston Moulay? I think um, definitely the olive oil because we, Moulay address is a very, this is a surprise to most people about Morocco though. It's a very agricultural and a very abundant um, place. We are a very abundant agriculturally around Muliadra, so a lot of stuff we produce locally. So the olives, we have surrounded by olive trees and the olive oil is amazing. Mm-hmm. And the season for when they're pressing it is generally around December, January, November, December, January. And then you see the people, you know, hitting the trees, like collecting the olives, mm-hmm. and it's all done manually. But then we also, the figs are in season. Mm-hmm. And then they hand press the figs and hand dry them in the sun. So they're really beautiful and compact them so that the olives are locally and they um, preserve them locally, mm-hmm. you know, in town. Um, and definitely the, we're so famed for the kefta. So the kefta is the ground beef and it's grilled over the hot coals. And it's just succulent and tender and delicious. And you usually get like a, with a tray of the different olives that we have in season. And, and just example, they've started to grow these beautiful big Spanish olives and I haven't found them anywhere else in Morocco, but we have them in Muliadris hmm. um, as well. So I think it's probably for my purpose because I keep buying them all. Mm-hmm. We, um, you know, for the people who are vegetarian and vegan, there's a lot of um, vegetarian food that's served in the home, but served on the street too, like makuda, the potato pancakes, the um, the Malawi, so the or misimin, as you call it. We have the freshly made cheese, the jibin, the homemade yogurts. We have um, a lot of vegetables and vegetable dishes that. And, and actually, the other thing is the tagine. Um, the tagines, and we're sitting on the hot coals just cooking for probably two or so hours, so the mm-hmm. meat just falls off the bone mm-hmm. as well, which is really lovely. Now, I know that's kind of listing everything you can eat in Muliadris, but it's, um, you just have to come and visit for a few days to try everything. But it's also a reminder of, even though, because Meknes is about 20 minutes away, it's a real self-sustaining city. You don't have to go to Meknes to get stuff because it really is all there, isn't it? Yeah, no, absolutely. And we have this... Um, a fruit and veg souk that's going every day. Mm-hmm. And most of the project is local to us. And it is a surprise for most people. But it, we are, we're, we're surrounded by mountains, quite a lush valley. So there is, um, we have almonds that we grow as well. Like, in, I don't know if people, your listeners have tried green almonds no. as well. Or, and green chickpeas. I've never had it. You've never had a green almond? No, they're delicious. And the chickpeas that um, before they dry, because they dry on the plant, they are green and you can eat them. There's usually about two weeks before they dry in the sun, and that's when you can eat them. I don't know if you tried that. No, <laughs> never. So we have a lot of, and and it's when you look for stuff like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, you know, like a, a lot of the tourists pull up in a bus, walk through the souk to the mausoleum, and just turn around and walk back again. You know, you don't see that. That's what's staying over, mm-hmm. and that slower travel just means you can see um, what's available. And in the markets and the souks, the people will tell you that selling it where everything is from mm-hmm. so you know what when it's from earlier just like what's from earlier just around here and they'll be like oh the tomatoes the cucumber the onions this mm-hmm. that this is from Agadir this is from the different places like how many places in the world mm-hmm. can a shop owner tell you exactly where yeah. the things are produced mm-hmm. absolutely it's interesting what you say about like the tourists they come um and they just basically see the mausoleum which to me is beautiful but as a non-Muslim, you can't go in. So what lies beyond the mausoleum is what's really to see in Muli Idris. And that's, I guess it's just, you know, one of those packaged holiday, like packaged day trips that a lot of people do like Meknes and Vuli Bliss. Mm-hmm. And then Muli Idris is just, yeah, a quick, quick stopover. Yeah. 
Well, they, quite often the tours that come, they used to park up on the hill looking at Mulia just and just taking a vision because I know like Morocco is full of so much that it is quite action-packed if you really want to see everything. But to miss this beautiful town with this big open square where the children play at night mm-hmm. and everything, it, it is something to really miss that, mm-hmm. that you don't, you know, this, this town with no carpet shops. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. Okay, just a quick time out, because if you're keen to explore Mouli Idris and places equally as special while slow traveling your way around Morocco, let me tell you about Sun Trails, a private tour operator based in Marrakesh. I've had the pleasure of being both a paying customer on holiday through the south of Morocco, but also traveling with Chris. After all, he's my friend. But that aside, Chris is just genuinely passionate about discovering the hidden gems dotting the country and meeting people like architects and musicians undertaking interesting initiatives. He then puts all of this together in an itinerary for guests who are looking for more than just a standard tour of Morocco. He's been on the podcast twice before, so if you want to find out more, check out episode 1 and episode 19, or get in touch with me via Mandy in Morocco, and I'll happily put you in touch so you can start planning your trip to Morocco as well. Now, I just want to touch on, like, again, the 2005 is when the non-Muslims were allowed to stay the night, and you were the first female non-Muslim to buy a place there. How were you received? Yeah, do you know, I get asked this quite a lot. I get asked, like, a lot about how was I received, what it's like um, being a woman, being Mm -hmm. there and being on my own. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, it's, I haven't ever had any issues, like I have Mm -hmm. to say. I I find in Morocco, there's quite an acceptance of people for who they are. Yeah. Um, Generally, and I I could be generalized by my experience in Fez and in Muledra. So I'm just going about doing what I'm doing. Now, I met local people, so I did get helped and supported. Like, it was a local guide that helped me to start who was speaking English um, to help me with buying the house. I had a friend that was there at the time as well. And um, so the thing I found very difficult, and it's nothing about how I was received, so I've always felt I've been very accepted and welcomed. Um, And... It was about the administration side of it. You know, how do you get permission to open a guest house in Mulia just when nobody's ever done it before? They've got permission to have rooms in their house, but nobody knows what it's like to have proper permission. So, like, it was days going around to office mm-hmm. to office to office. And um, that's what I found really hard on that side. Um, then the donkey project. Mm-hmm. So I want to, want to get permission that I bring vets in to look after the donkeys to provide free care. It's never been done before, and nobody knew how we'd ever get permission. So it was a good, like, year or two-year process to finally get someone to agree we could do this thing that was for free and mm-hmm. help the community and made such a difference to the community. That's just an example of what I mean when we, there's something we're thinking about being a dif- bit different, mm-hmm. but then it's difficult to get the permissions or, mm-hmm. or the way to do it, so that's what I find. But, I, you know, I've been there, like, on my own. I don't have a husband there. And I've never had any issues. I sit out in the main square um, watching people having coffee and tea on my own. I know a lot of local people. They'll either sit with me or they're not. Um, but it's just a very welcoming place and it always has been. And people are just intrigued to know who is this mm-hmm. person, where are they from, what their background is. Mm-hmm. And what I found too for me was um, my mother came over in 2016, I think, about three or four years ago. My mother came over to visit, and so to the people of Muliadris, I've always been this single woman with no husband, no mother, no father, no siblings, no anything. And I've been saying, yeah, I've got a family, I've got a mom, you know, for, for mm-hmm. New Zealand. And for them to finally meet my mother 
And so I would walk around with my mother being like, Mama Diali, Mama Diali. So it was my mom, my mom, my mom. And they'll be like, oh, your mom. It's like, it's like I finally belonged because mm-hmm. I did belong to somebody. I have a family. Mm-hmm. And that's so important to Moroccans that you, you have your family and you care for your family. So she got treated by an absolute, like an absolute queen. We'd be sitting having a coffee and people come up to give her gifts and to, um, mm-hmm. yeah, just really take, take care of it. And that was really sweet. It's very much a holy city to this day. But I would say when I'm there, the people are very welcoming and um, open to the idea of foreigners coming to visit. So it is a bit sad that they just see the entrance to the mausoleum because I feel like the people that reside there Mm. are quite happy and interested to meet um, Mm. people who come and check out their village. Yeah, no, that's really true. They... Um, the local people will still go about their normal day life. Um, they have no judgment. They believe you're in a holy city. It's between them and their personal practice, not about what my personal practice mm-hmm. is or, you know, the people coming to visit. Um, but they do, do, you know, we all benefit when people do come and visit. Mm-hmm. And to actually venture beyond just going to look in the mausoleum, to just turn left in front mm-hmm. of the mausoleum... And you'll go past the hammam. So we have this traditional hammam with gorgeous arches inside. And it's got the three different areas for, um, of, the, of the different temperatures. And I'm not sure how many years it have been there, but I, I think it's many. And then you turn around the corner from there and you have the, um, the bakery. And you can see them making the bread, but baking the bread. And to have these interactions with people that are just doing their normal jobs and day to life. And, you know, one of the people working at the bakery is fluent in English. And not because they're, they're for tourism, but because that's what they wanted to study and learn. Mm. And if I find a lot of people in Mulia just will leave Mulia just to go and study somewhere else, but they'll always return home. They always, because it's so, it's so peaceful and relaxing. Yeah. Um, as well. And then you go to a walk around the mountains, like take an hour out and just walk around the base, go to the Roman baths. Mm-hmm. And just the interactions to have with people just in that time and that space mm-hmm. is... Yeah, it's a pity people don't have that because when they come... There's often um, like someone trying to sell a hat or a book to when they all come up and, you know, a group of 30. But they don't get to enjoy the essence of just being able to breathe out and mm-hmm. just enjoy the country air and just see people are very content with who they are in their lives that aren't trying to hustle you or take yeah. something from you. I don't... Exactly. I don't think I've really had... You know, if someone might come and sell me fossils, if I'm interested, I buy them. If I'm not, they're like, cool. Yeah. Do you know? And how are you doing today? Mm-hmm. That's what I really love. For me, mm-hmm. just is not a... Um, yeah, like, it kind of comes with an attitude is like, I have enough. What I have is enough. I'm not trying to take or get anything from mm-hmm. you. Um, which is really lovely. And um, it should be a place that's far busier for tourists, but it's nice that it's not. Yeah, and that I agree. You know, there's the two there's the two mm-hmm. sides of it. I love in the evenings when I go and sit in the square and there's not many tourists around. But then having a business in tourism, it'd be better if like the town was full. But that's not that's not what the essence is. It's like we all just enjoy yeah yeah that fresh country air. We just enjoy. The people, like my staff that work for me, they love meeting different people. What country are they from? Mm-hmm. Do you know who are they? How do they live? You know, what clothes do they wear? It's such a, um, it's like opening an encyclopedia of the mm-hmm. world. And well, for- I, I say through my food tours as well that, you know, it's those types of interactions where you actually have the opportunity to meet the person into and, you know, have those exchanges and dialogues. That's when we have the opportunity to really break down cultural yeah. barriers, you yeah. know, and 
think of like, okay, yes, it is a holy city, but it's still open to people. I mean, we can still go there. Now, I would say if anybody's listening and they do decide to go there, dressed modestly, yeah, um, it is still yeah. an open city because that, to me, is actually what Morocco is. Is it's just a very open yeah. country. And because it, it's about your personal, um, mm-hmm. you know, your personal values and, and how you experience yourself. So I was sharing a funny story yesterday that what I found, say, in winter, um, if I'm in England, it's a lot colder than what Morocco is in the winter. And I was wearing tights and I was wearing a dress with tights. And somebody was pointing to my knees and going to me like, you're cold, put some clothes on. And so it wasn't about being modest or anything like that. It was just that shock that somebody would be there mm-hmm. without having far more layers than just one layer on. And I just, I, I find it very endearing mm-hmm. um, and I find it very sweet. Now, um, you said before about, I think something about breaking down the um, perceptions mm-hmm. or cultural barriers in us. So at, at Dazahorn, we employ women. So I have five women that work for me. And a big part of that is I just feel when a lot of people come to Morocco with this preconception that Morocco, like women are in the home, they're not allowed out when they're married, you know, children. And I know that sounds like, it sounds like a generalization. It is a generalization. And so I have some very vibrant young women working for me. When I say young, they're from about 20 to about 37. And two of them are married, one's pregnant now, you know, one has got, she's got two children. And it's, I think it's fantastic. And then someone else, she's from this tiny village over the hill that they, you know, lives on a farm. And then she's here. She came, she learned, she had French, but then she's learned English. They all speak English. And I just, um, I really love it that my guests get to meet women, strong, vibrant women who've got good personalities, who speak the language, who are from this very small town. And they... Like, there's no judgment or expectation that they shouldn't be working or they should be doing this and they shouldn't. Do you know, like, the whole, which I think as the West, we, we see so much in the media portrayed that women in Islam act in a certain way, whereas when people come to Morocco, they get to see mm-hmm. um, those generalizations in a different way. So that's what I love and having, their, having that side of it, that people get to meet some people and they're very open to talk about their lives. And I recently did some building work and... Um, I had one of my staff manage it. So she's sending me WhatsApp and managing the plumber and the electrician and the painter and the the um, the builder. And when I said to people, they'd be like, oh, but they won't listen to her. She's a woman. And that she did a brilliant job. And it's mm-hmm. never true because Morocco is not like that. Mm-hmm. My Morocco is not like that. And, and I'm sure for you is that there's not, it's, it's not that they won't listen to her because she's a woman. Um, they don't like listening to me because I de- I'm quite demanding. Like I want it exactly like this mm-hmm. thing, but they just she's just another person. Mm-hmm. So and we're a really good team. So I've had, you know, my builder work for me for the twelve years, my plumber for the same time, mm-hmm. and it's just like we're just a really big family, mm-hmm. and that's what I would, you know, say that Morocco, and particularly Muli Idris, is that we really take care and we're just mm-hmm. a really big family. Mm-hmm. Um, so since you. Um, open Darzarhoon. You also do uh, Donkey Day, which is mm-hmm. one Sunday a month. Yes. Um, tell me a little bit about Donkey Day. So Donkey Day is amazing and awesome and fabulous, I have to say. So what Donkey Day is, is I bring um, vets over who work with the American Fondo Confez. So it's a charity to take care of the working animals in Fez. And I start an, archery, uh, sorry, an outreach program with them that I bring the vets over every month to take care of the donkeys in Muliadris and also in the neighbouring villages. And we have about 100 donkeys in Muliadris because we are on a hill and we have, it's a pedestrianised city on a hill, so everything is carried in and out by donkey. And the reason I started the project was that 
The donkey owners are just really fantastic. Um, they've all got families that they support and they spend their day with the donkey just working for others, mm -hmm. carrying things. And I found that, you know, I'd had the number for them on my phone. I'd be called like, oh, I need a donkey, I need a donkey. And they'd immediately be there, take me where to what I need, and just really take care of me. We need them on it, they'll be there. And there was something about the essence of what they brought, you know, in the spirit of them doing the job. I thought, what can I give to them that's not about giving money? And I do think, as, as foreigners, we do come with, you know, like, the, often people come with, like, what can I give to the society? So what can I give to them that's not giving money? And I thought, I, what if I can provide the vet care for the donkeys? And then it means that they don't have to worry about that and if they've got any concerns, so it keeps the animals working for longer, or if they're sick, they, we take them to the hospital in Fez and we provide transportation for that. So, as I said, it took a while to get permission, so we do this every month now. So um, it's always sponsored. It's sponsored by the guests or friends of Dazahorn. And um, we, we, we pay for the vet time and then the American Fondue pay for the medicines, um, which we're grateful to work with them. But we've been doing this now since 2015. And the first time we saw 25 donkeys. And then just recently we had a donkey day that in one of the neighboring villages that we had 210 donkeys. And these are ones that there's no vets nearby, so they've never had any care for for their donkeys. Mm -hmm. They've never, and it was just even asking question. We give um, you know vitamins and worming things that are needed like that that they wouldn't need. And then some of them, um, like the vets are amazing, and they will do even a uh, operation where we're doing the donkey day, um, which is usually in this car park area or underneath a tree in the countryside to remove tumours or cysts or anything that actually means the animal can keep working for longer. So for me, it's, um, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to have the interaction with the donkey owners. They're very vibrant. They're just very all different personalities. Mm -hmm. um, we, do, we use them as well to do donkey rides to Voluvula. So there's just, we have such a great relationship with them. And I know people see animals and be like, oh, they can't be well taken care of, as are. Do you know, we do. We do take care of them. And it just means that they... To have a longer life and a longer working life for mm -hmm. them because it's um, it's their mm -hmm. livelihood. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and a donkey's not cheap to buy. You know, it's not just a commodity you just pick up like that. So they really do need to take care of them. Wow, that's amazing. So it's not just in Muli Idris. You do it in surrounding villages now as well. Yes. Yeah. No. So we started that um, a bit earlier this year. That we do. So we were Muli Idris and we go to Benimaraz and we we're in um, Karmat been Salam just last time. So we have within around the Volubidus area, so the, the okay. villages and then the surrounding villages. So we have about um, five different villages that we go to. So mm -hmm. we, do, we do that. And we don't, it's not a consistent Sunday, so it's best to look at the, the website or the mm -hmm. um, Facebook. Actually, Facebook's mm -hmm. the best time that I usually put it on there, that mm -hmm. I choose the dates that suit working with the vets and with mm -hmm. the, the people in the town and everything mm -hmm. too. But the other parts we do for the project, so we do have the, the donkey day that we bring the vets to Muliudjus and surrounding villages, but we also have like an emergency transport fund. So sometimes there'll be a donkey who's sick that needs to go to the hospital, so we'll pay for the transportation for that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes um, we... How we did an educational day a few times that we took the actual donkey owners from Milia just to Fez so they could see the hospital and just see... Because for them to see an X-ray machine and just all the other different things available to them as well, to see this is how somebody can take care of the animals if it's needed, um, that, that's that been really great. And then now we start bringing them over to Mule so they can do education alongside mm -hmm. when we're doing the donkey day. And um, we're looking about doing a few other options. You know, do we do a, job, a project around vaccinations? 
Um, because we're quite a small, tight-knit community, we can actually control knowing which donkeys are vaccinated or not. And around um, hobbles, because the around the ankle of the donkey, we find that a lot of our donkeys have bad ankles, so because they tie ropes around them. So can we find something that's actually better for the animal in doing that? So it is. It's a real. The long, it's a long-term project. It's providing immediate care now. We're changing the way that many of our owners used to use kind of traditional medicines in a way. Like um, they just they put engine oil into a cataract wound, um, which isn't good for a cataract wound. But it's just teaching them and learning about no, don't do that. You should do this, and they can ask the questions of the donkey owners, and as well as you know, hopefully in the long run we can have a, a bit of a sanctuary so when a donkey needs a rest, we can take care of it. So how can people experience your Mule Idris then? Well, so my Mule Idris is about local life, about meeting with the locals, learning about the locals and just being in nature actually mm-hmm. and things being quite natural. So um, at Dazahorn, we, um, we're a hotel or guest house and restaurant. So from the food, we do a lot of traditional food from Moroccans, but we also do a lot of lighter options. We realise that our, our guests love to have you know, salads and soups, and we've got a lot of vegetarian and vegan food. And that's all locally pr- brought and produced and made by my staff. We do um, donkey rice to Falubulus. Um, as well, which is just hilarious. You know, if you want to have a good giggle for an hour, it's not the most comfortable thing to do, but it's brilliant. And then you're just going to these ancient Roman ruins on a little donkey. And the, the owner goes with you, so you're, you're good. You're not left alone. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have local life tours, which I really like. So the, the woman that worked for me, they do a tour that does, goes and does the history of Muliadris, but then you end up um, stopping at, in the home, so of a local woman's home for tea and looking at the view of the view panoramic, mm-hmm. which has been really popular because it's you don't have to go up many steps to get there as well, so it means you get to see the highlights of the town. But from a woman's perspective of, do you know, where she would go and do her shopping and her children going to school and everything, the kind of bits you don't normally learn on a, on a tour. And we do a hidden villages tour, so we take um, guests around the villages. It's a driving tour surrounding religious that they wouldn't normally see and then have lunch with a local family on a farm and that's really nice and then we have um we do baking classes now i am very <laughs> passionate about baking and so and even i i that was like one of my highlights of staying at yeah. really um at darzahoon and also the hidden villages tour was amazing too yeah. but tell us yeah. more about baking i know so we'd have a bake your own afternoon tea cooking mm-hmm. class which is what mandy did with us and um but What's really funny about it was that you were, she was so strict, Carlton was doing it with you, about exactly how you're preparing it to make sure you did it to some rock and style and standard. It was just so yeah. funny. It's just... <laughs> if your cookie was in the right size or shape, she's like, no, do it again, do it again. It was just... And I was in the background, I think, just laughing away because she's doing it. But it is... And it's, for me, it's like what my focus is, is I want my guests when they come and stay, I want you to have good local food and yeah. produce. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be traditional. It's always tagines. We have a lot of lighter options, a lot of things that use traditional food I want you to meet local people I want you to meet the local woman I want you to be I'd love that you come and you're blown away by how incredible these women are and it blows all your judgments and I want you to be taken care of and that's what they do like Mm -hmm. got such big heart they take care and I want you to want to experience the local life and nature go for a walk around the mountains go and do a local tour ride the donkeys Mm -hmm. to Volubilis learn to bake the cookies or or do a cooking class for tagines it's about the local life and the essence that this very magical mm-hmm. and spiritual city has mm-hmm. and brings in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so often just a day trip from Fez, but I'm a fan of Meknes because I love 
the Art Deco downtown. <laughs> and it's just off the Art Deco downtown that you can take the Grand Taxi to go to Moulay Idris. Is that still tr- true? Yep. So the, um, I'm, I'm not Art Deco fan, so I'm not sure where the Art Deco downtown part is, but what I can yeah, say... Cinema. Oh, yeah, near the cinema. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so from, yeah, from near the cinema, so to get to Muliedris, you can take a Grand Taxi, which um, is 10 dirhams a place, and they, when they, they fill up like other Grand Taxi around um, Morocco. But it's at the French Institute, so we would say Institut Francais. Mm-hmm. So that's where you go to, and you take, it takes 20 minutes to get to Muliedris, and then um, they drop you off. Now, if you look on the website for Dazahorn, um, which is dazahorn.com, we have a map and we have a little video, a walking video that takes you for where the Grand Taxis are to take you show where Dazahorn is, mm-hmm. but also for if you just want to go to the main square yeah. and everything as well. And, you know, alternatively, so, and to get to, to Meknes, you catch the train um, from Fez to Meknes or you can catch the train to City Custom. We can organise someone to come and pick you up from either of those places. It's, mm-hmm. I'd like to say it's, it's quite easy to get to. Mm-hmm. Um, just check our website if you want information. Email me if you've got additional questions to that. Um, but it is once about 20 minutes out of Meknes by Grand Taxi. And it's, it's really beautiful. So you're in this, like, art deco city but then you're just driving pretty much instantly through the countryside mm-hmm. around you know winding roads yes. you go past the olives and no like i'm yeah. clearly the kind of person that looks around me mm-hmm. um if you're not great you know it's a 20 mm-hmm. minute journey whereas if you're somebody so you can see and then to october november you see them picking the olives mm-hmm. it's, it's such a manual thing you see them working the farms working um, it's just that it's over the ground, but it's really beautiful. And then you come around the sweeping band, and then you have Muliedris, yeah, which is this white, mm-hmm. yeah, this gorgeous white, because um, we just happen to have white buildings, and the mountains in the background, mm-hmm. it's just like, <gasps> yeah, it's amazing. And then you can look to your left, and there's Volubilis. Yeah. So it's like, you just get the best of many worlds. You can mm-hmm. see a mountain, you know, look from the terrace at Dazahorn, look straight ahead, you've got the mountain. Look to the left, you've got Volubilis. Look mm-hmm. further to the left, you have a valley. Look to the right, you have the town of Melia just looked behind you, you had the mountains. Mm-hmm. So what's there not to love? Mm-hmm. You no, know, absolutely. Love? I mean, you say it's easy to get to, but I would say it's only easy to get to for the people who want to put the effort in. Because I don't think everybody, like I think some people like it to be too easy. And really Idris is one of those places that it's worth making the effort to go. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, mm-hmm. definitely worth making the effort to go. And I think it's... um. Many people come to Morocco not really knowing all they're going to see, and they've just heard mm-hmm. of the major places yeah. like usually Marrakesh, Fez, Shifshawan. Mm-hmm. Yes. But, but even to come to Moulia just on a day trip, you, when you're going from Fez to Shifshawan, you know, stop at Volubilis, do stop at Moulia just, you know, mm-hmm. come for lunch or just come yeah. and have a coffee because it is just, it's very different. Like, yeah. it is a really beautifully touristy place. Mm-hmm. Um, so enjoy it for, for all that it is. I wouldn't say it's a touristy place. I would say it's welcoming to tourists. Well, no, Volubilis. Oh, Volubilis. Yes. yes, 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 Yeah, yes. so that's uh-huh. very touristy. That's yeah. Uh-huh. There's, like, yeah. buses Bus that loads. go there. Yeah. yeah. And actually, you know, as a tip for Volubilis, um, a great tip is that either try and go earlier in the morning or go later in the day because then the buses have gone full of the tourists. Mm-hmm. But the light, the changes of the colours of the light at, as yeah. sun is setting. Now, you, you can't stay there as, um, as the sun sets because they do close. But the change of the colours as you're getting close to sunset is amazing. Yeah. And it's just, I don't think there's anything that beats it. Like, you can Google Volubilis and you see all the photos and they're all phenomenal and it's true. It actually looks like that. 
And there's also, um, when you're in Muli, just too, you know, something I didn't mention earlier is about the view panoramic. Exactly. Um, because, you know, we're on, Muli just is on two hills, but the, the beautiful view with the Muslim in the middle and the white houses mm-hmm. stacked on the hills surrounded by the mountains. Like, it, you've got to walk up some steps to get there, mm-hmm. but sometimes it's just really worth Yeah, no, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. It's very interesting what you say about the colours as the sun you know, throughout the day, they, they change, um, particularly the sunset. I love watching it from the rooftop terrace of Dar Zerhun because you can see not only the, the village of Moulay Idris, but in the distance, the Roman ruins of yeah. Vilibulus. And you see the colour, you know, changing on the, the buildings. Like yeah. it, it's, a, it's like as the sun is stretching out and you see the colours of the buildings changing and it's just this little ball because we've got this beautiful valley. And, like, the Terrace of Dazon is the best. Yeah. Do you know, I, I learned very quickly that my guests like to sit up. Mm-hmm. They like to be on the terrace. They like to lie on the terrace. They like to eat on the terrace. They like to, you know, the terrace is the yeah. place. So created, like, with a garden. But you can sit there and just watch this, um, and the ball of the sun just going down, yeah. and it's just like the whole sky lights up. And I, I've never been there, and there's been a bad sunset, mm-hmm. but it's that warmth of the colours on the mountain as it as it changes, and all the, mm-hmm. the buildings and everything. It's just, you know, there's, when I sit on the terrace, often I'm looking at the mountain, um, opposite where there's the road in the middle where we, we do the donkey rides to Volubilis and, mm-hmm. and where the tourist, like, buses stop to take the photo. And I can sit there and stare at that mountain for such a long time because there's so much activity that happens mm-hmm. on it, which is strange because it's just a mountain, but mm-hmm. when that's where a lot of life is lived. Mm-hmm. Well, that's fabulous. So um, we need to, before you leave Marrakesh mm-hmm. and head back, we need head to look to at... The countryside. Head back to your country from the, from house. Bright, yeah, from the bright lights in the big city <laughs> down to, like, oh, let me breathe, breathe fresh air. Um, we need to look at our diaries and plan something. Yes. Because I... It's been, like, I think since, like, what, 20... It's been too long. It was Eid, I think. Eid one year. Yeah, yeah. I just... I can't wait to just go sit in the garden, sit in the... Like, in the square, have a coffee, eat my nougat, see the... I'm sure it's still the same man that sells his nougat, it's right? It's the same man that sells his nougat. <laughs> but we could go, you know, we'll go for a walk to the Roman bars, come mm-hmm. up. There's a lovely cafe that um, is in the park. Be yeah, but we went there. Yeah, if you have a coffee there, and then slowly walk down, so you can have kefta for lunch, and then nougat, more coffee, and then mm-hmm. end the day on the terrace of Dazahorn, watching the sunset. And the best is that I always have to buy a one-way, because I never know what <laughs> <I'm gonna> <laughs> And how many times have we, like, said, okay, I'm going to go. Yeah, we sure. call the taxi, and then we're like, no, one more day. But one I remember that the driver picked you up from, it was at City Custom Train Station, yeah. and he just drove you straight to the kefta shop. <laughs> something that's very magical about Melodius and, and there's also mm-hmm. do you know and it's hard to speak about this because you never know what's going on there's always so a lot of activities and festivals mm-hmm. and everything but you never really know exactly when they're happening so mm-hmm. if you want to know like just send an email and we'll let you know kind of what happened. we have a poetry festival we have a donkey festival we're trying to you know rent they do um, they have the a running race Melodius mm-hmm. and Volubilis they have the Fantasias mm-hmm. just down at Zagotta. Yeah. You know, it's a place of surprises, and that's yeah. particularly why I love about it. It's like a, re- a big heart, very laid back and relaxed, and just a lot of surprises. Yeah. And we also, somebody that came and stayed for a week, they just bought bikes, and they biked all around mm-hmm. the area for a whole week. Yeah. 
Hiking, it's just... Yeah, it's amazing. It really has everything. If you're also a fan of getting off the tourist trail and planning to be in Marrakesh, join us for one of our Tasting Marrakesh food and cultural tours. On our Tasting Marrakesh Gilles tour, we explore some of the 20th century architecture in Marrakesh, stop at some of our favorite art galleries housed in Art Deco gems, and wander through parks and religious buildings that surprise visitors who dare to venture beyond the Marrakesh Medina. We chat history, eat street food, and shop. You know, some of my favorite things. But don't just take it from me. Condé Nast Traveler recently included this tour in its roundup of 10 cool things to do in Marrakesh. Our website is tasting-marrakesh.com for more details. That's Marrakesh with a C-H. And all of our tours are private and bespoke, so we take you only to the places that interest you. But for now, I'm heading off to Canada for summer break. I'll be back in August with more tales from the inspiring and creative personalities who never cease to amaze me here in Morocco. But in the meantime, if you want to discuss a collaboration or partnership, please feel free to get in touch with me via my website, mandyandmorocco.com. And if you're a fan of Moi Morocco, I would be so grateful if you could rate and review this podcast on your favorite channel or spread the love by sharing on your social media networks. Just don't forget to tag me at Mandy in Morocco so I can be sure to thank you for helping me share the love of Morocco.